for Canadians, um, rising food prices mean big increases on our weekly trips to the grocery store, and, and I'm not making light of it in any way. Trust me. I, I know it's been hard. Um, we, we've talked about it many, many times here on the show, and uh, food inflation just continues. Uh, it came down a little bit last month, but still it really, really, really high. Not, not the 10%, but close. Um, that we saw, and um, it's really, really hard. Some families really struggling. We, we've heard many stories about food bank usage soaring right across the country. Similar story in other parts of the world, and in some ways, perhaps even more desperate. There's really a lot of growing concern about food insecurity, food shortages on a global scale, massive problems in developing countries for a couple of different reasons. So let's find out what's going on. We're going to chat with Stuart Smythe, who's an associate professor and an industry-funded research chair in agri-food innovation at the University of Saskatchewan. Stuart, thank you for joining us. Always a pleasure. Yeah, good morning, Shay. Good to hear from you. Yeah, so let's start with uh, the one that I think we're all familiar with, we've talked about before, and that's the exports out of Ukraine. We know that uh, Russia scrapped that safe passage agreement out of the Black Sea, and there were fears that would cause huge problems with primarily grain and sunflower exports and that sort of thing. Has that happened, or are we seeing that already? Yeah, so so not only did they not renew it, but then they turned around and started firing missiles Attacking, at, yeah. at, at the export facilities because Ukraine was managing to move grain on barges through the river um, system back into Europe and and so you know Russia really is trying to use food as a as a mechanism of war and to try and make sure that Ukraine's not able to export any commodities to feed the Middle East or North Africa. Yeah, those commodities, how important are they and and like you say it's primarily the Middle East and North Africa that are really dependent on those exports, right? Yeah, so so what it means is it's unlikely that we're suddenly going to see a famine, you know, and and hundreds of thousands or millions of people uh, with their lives at risk. What it means is that, you know, those developing country governments or the, the philanthropic organizations like the, the World Food Program have to pay a higher price to buy wheat or um, any any commodity that gets exported into that part of the world. They, they can buy it from Canada and the States, but it costs more to have it transported across the ocean. Yeah, the farther it goes, it's going to cost more. It makes perfect sense. Now I'm reading reports Associated Press did a really deep dive into um, issues with some other staples, the price of rice primarily, gone up quite dramatically. What's going on when it comes to um, the price of rice and, and what's happening there? So the big one behind that, Shay, is that India announced a few weeks ago that they were going to halt rice exports, largely, you know, due to some concerns about rising food prices and and some of the the production numbers they're seeing. So that immediately had a a significant impact on the price of rice. And and again, it was a similar situation, you know, developing Asian countries that, you know, in some of these countries, over 70% of an individual's daily nutrition comes from rice so that pushes the rice prices up it also reduces supply so so again we're we're going to see issues around um nutritional challenges i think uh through the end of the year what's uh, going on with india why did they have the plans to cut production basically it's to control the price right essentially yeah so india's got a federal election coming up and i think this was done by the governing party as a way to try and uh entice voters but the problem is, you know, that that domestic policy announcement has 
significant global impacts. Huge impacts. There's something else that I was in the reading, and I don't understand. I don't know if you can help us or not. The, the, India has a non-basmati rice ban. What, what is that? And it, they say it has global implications as well. Yeah, I, I know less about that, Shay, so yeah. I, I, I'm afraid Fair I can't enough. speak to that. You know, fair enough. No problem there. Now, um, part of this, you've got you've got the the production cut in, in India or the export cut in India. But on top of that, the rest of the world is really concerned about El Nino, right? We historically they know that El Nino has been really bad for rice production, so that plays into this too. Yeah, it's going to. Um, and and one of the other things that's factored in, and you don't see this mentioned much at all, is that China has been buying up commodities over the last number of months, and they're hoarding. You know, essentially what, what economists would call hoarding uh, commodities, they're stockpiling rice and wheat and a bunch of other things, to you, and, it, and that contributes to driving up uh, the price even further. So uh, what are the options? Well, we've got grain limited coming out of Europe. We've got rice limited. I mean, are there options, Stuart? I mean, it, that, that, that's, what else can be done? So the good thing, la- so last year we were sort of in a similar situation, right? When Russia invaded and, and yeah. wheat exports were uncertain. So so farmers in the in the three prairie provinces increased their acres a little bit. Well well that increase just from one year to the next was more wheat than the Ukraine ever produces in a year. So so farm technology you know, so so what we can do is is we need more innovation in Saskatchewan and we or in the Canada, pardon me. Yeah. We need less regulations. Um, we need to ensure that farmers are having the most efficient technologies, you know, chemicals and fertilizers that that are essential for growing crops. We don't need ridiculous um, mandates to to try and cut back on emissions, which is going to reduce production. So so we need you know, really sound science-based decisions that's going to allow our farmers to to fill some of those gaps. Now, we can't do that on rice, but we can certainly do it on a lot of other commodities. Um, okay, just before I let you go, we, we've talked before about overall food inflation in our country and what we've seen, and we saw a little bit of easing, Stuart, but not much. It's still uh, stubbornly high. Is there any relief in sight for Canadians here? Because it just seems to get worse and worse month after month. I think what we're seeing, Shay, is that, you know, the the government's talking that they're trying to do things that are going to reduce food inflation, but the policies that the federal government can control that would contribute to reducing food inflation, they're not doing anything about removing those regulatory barriers. So I, I think that until the federal government actually gets serious about wanting to change policies and regulations that will contribute to making food prices cheaper... I think Canadians have to expect that food prices and food inflation is going to be higher than than what any of us want. Unfortunately, yeah, I guess if anything, we're getting used to it. It's just, it's so tough. Stuart, great insight as always. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. My pleasure, Shay. You have a great rest of your day. You too.